Hello and welcome to Brass Bands on the Record. My name's Mark Good, and this podcast series sees Lily McCluskey and I chatting to some of the most well-known faces from the world of brass music making. The dust is settling on the 2023 British Open Championship, and the cheers and songs from the delighted members of Foden's band have just about faded away. The band, already the reigning national and northwest regional champion, claimed its first British Open title since 2012 on Thierry Delarue's Sand and Stars. It was also a first for conductor Russell Gray, as he claimed his first Open win with the baton. You could say it was a result written in the stars, and it all made for a fabulous time for the renowned Sandbatch Band and its conductor. Yeah, we had a great day arriving there very early in the morning and I could already tell I was I listened to the first five bands from the, the body of the hall and uh, the temperature was just rising all of the time. Um, I, I Full of admiration for the people that actually spent the whole day sitting in there, particularly the, the three in the box Judging the event, I don't know how they coped. Um, the to keep to stay in that heat and be able to concentrate as I I know that they have to when they're judging something like that was uh, admirable. We knew it was going to be hot. We saw bands that were uh, taking the jackets off, which is something I've never seen at the British Open. But uh, sure enough, one band after the other did did that very same thing, and and my team said we'd rather be comfortable. Um, doesn't really matter how we look. We we want to try to win a contest here, so we'd rather look a bit scruffy and play better. So that's what they did. Then I thought, well, I'll do the same. I'll take my jacket off. Um, and the the actual performance itself, um, really, it was as if all the stars had lined up for us. It was a virtually perfect performance. It was very very little went wrong. This was your first win at the British Open as a conductor. Is this a contest you'd had in your sights for a while? <laughs> you could say that, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the one that kept getting away. Um, I've had a few close scrapes, um, a couple of seconds, a, th- a third, I think, and uh, a couple of top six finishes, but it says that it's always been one that's evaded me. And I, I feel very privileged that I'm standing in front of a band as like Foden's um, that can they can and are capable of winning contests at that level. It's um, a privilege to be able to do that. And the chemistry between myself and the band um, really seems to to work. So I was a little frustrated the last couple of years thinking we were close and we were close. We got a third and then a second. So there was only one way to go this year. And fortunately that happened. So I'm very happy. The set test was, of course, Sand and Stars, a piece from the pen of French composer Thierry Delarielle. It proved to be very popular with bands and audience members alike, a demanding but a dramatic and engaging score. What were your thoughts on the piece, Russell? Well, I love a piece of music that tells a story. Um, and Thierry, he does this with his writing. He always chooses a, a story that's got a narrative and um, that that helps me paint a picture. Um, and, I, and I said to the band that that's what we're going to try and do. We need to take the audience on a journey. And the composer laid that out beautifully on in notes um, on the page. So I enjoyed that. Technically, of course, it was extremely difficult. Um, 
and not just technically, but also the the voicing. Um, it was very complex voicing, and to get the balance just right so that the the depth of the score is is transparent, and you can see what's going on. Uh, so many uh, cross rhythms and you know interesting effects. Um, everybody was put under pressure at some point in the piece to to deliver. The cadenzas were ferocious in difficulty and, you know, interestingly, starting a soprano solo on Below the Stave is is a different way of thinking. Um, the percussionists, it was like a percussion concerto for most of the piece. Um, so everybody had something to do. The length of the piece, being 20 minutes in length, uh, was also physically draining, mentally draining. But as you say, it was very popular. Um, bands loved playing it. Audiences loved enjoying it and listening to it. And um, it's uh, seen through in the difficult circumstances that we had the other day. The hall was pretty consistently full all day. So it was a, a, a great success. I think, as you say, that does tell its own story when the audience is really buying in to the piece during the course of the day. And as you say, the piece placed some considerable demands on players around the stand. But in your case, when you have the likes of Mark Wilkinson, Gary Curtin, Richard Poole, John Barber and the rest, you're in pretty good hands, aren't you? Well, I can trust them. And we've, I've been with them now since 2018. And I feel that this year we have a level of trust, them trusting me and me trusting them, that I don't really need to get involved. As I said before, it's a real privilege to to have a band like that to work with. And um, they, they come with their own uh, very artistic ideas and their formidable ability on their instruments. And then they allow me to bend and mould things into the shape that I want. And they, they go with me because there is a, a mutual respect there and that, that only grows with every success that we've been having. It's interesting that prior to the results, it's not unusual, of course, we expect the adjudicators or at least one or two of them to come forth and reflect upon what they've heard during the course of the day. But Robert Childs really took his time reflecting upon the performances and he was very specific in terms of what the adjudicators were looking for and he did reference the composer's very specific instructions in the score. Were you mindful of that as you were preparing the piece? I'm mindful of the composer's intentions with every single piece that I do prepare um, and he, he did write some notes um, in the score for guidance and you have to take that seriously and he knows exactly what he's doing because when you do hit the right tempo as with any piece of music when you hit the right tempo it speaks to you it resonates and it has a particular character and I think he was correct in his metronomic um, wishes because it did give the music a, a, a character that, that spoke to me. And I, I felt listening to bands and also reflecting on the, the Wobbly platform um, when I got home, that maybe, maybe a lot of conductors and bands decided that they wanted to go for excitement and that it equaled tempo being upped a little bit. And I think that the music lost lost something and just by going over the stated tempo 
Um, I tried to not do that. And I think at some points I was maybe under a little bit. But for me, as long as everything's relative and there is obviously a margin of error, give or take five beats per minute, you're not going to change the character of the music too much. But beyond that, it starts to sound like something else. But with every piece I, 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 I prepare, I, I try to do what the composer intended. That's, that's kind of the, our job, isn't it, as a conductor? When it comes to the results time at a contest, Russell, are you someone who likes to be in the hall or are you quite happy to go and decompress somewhere else? Well, I'm usually about 250 miles away by the time the results <laughs> go driving. I don't do results. <laughs> um, I, I was there this year. I wasn't actually in the hall. I was in the hotel. Um, and I was there because I was staying overnight to enjoy the National Children's Band of Great Britain's concert the following day because my son Angus was performing and my wife Marika was conducting. So I was uh, forced to stay in Birmingham overnight and uh, not very far from the hall. So when the, uh, the results were announced, I was able to uh, hot foot it down to the hall and get on stage before they chucked everybody out, which was nice. <laughs> You and Foden's continue to enjoy this remarkable success together with plenty of performances that live long in the memory for audiences. We know it's a great band to begin with and Mike Fubbles does such a lot of work too. So when you arrive, Russell, and let's use Sand and Stars as an example, what were you looking to bring to the performance to what was there in place already? Well, Mike Fowles is, is a legend in banding world by his remarkable uh, work ethic his uh, his ears are incredible he hears things that just defy belief um and we were very lucky i always have been since i've been with Foden's that that mike prepares the band meticulously for me um but he does it in such a way that when i stand in front of the band it's pretty much a blank canvas he hasn't imprinted his musical intentions onto the band he's left it and to that that's a very skillful job to be able to do that so when i stand in front of the band um really my remit is is to fill in the blanks um he's doing the art he's he's putting it in place and then i get to play with that and and put my own fingerprints all over it um, and really, it's a question of uh, my musical intentions, what, what I think, to take that two-dimensional image and put it into 3D. That's what I do. And Mike does, I mean, he, he does wonderful concerts and he's, lived, he's been with the band for a very long time. It's a remarkable relationship they've got. And he's got the opportunity to do what I do with these concert programmes, but he's very able to take a step back and give me a very clear image. Everybody's on top of the piece. I don't have to rehearse notes. We're, we're not We're not there. We're beyond that already. So I want to create an event that is like a piece of art that people can take away with them and reflect on. As you said, some of the performances live long in the memory. That's absolutely the best thing that could you could say to me. It's a, a fascinating peek behind the curtain. And to get another little glimpse, on the contest day itself, of course, there's a lot going on, the adrenaline's flowing, there's hustle and bustle. What about that moment 
just before you go on stage, Russell, are you happy to be chatting away and laughing with people or do you like to grab a little quiet moment to yourself? What does that look like for you? I, I do. I like a little bit of a quiet space, I, I will be honest, uh, but I can do that maybe 10 minutes before I'm on stage and I just want to sort of reflect. I'm, I, I go through my score um, and I'm listening, I'm hearing in my head the perfect performance. I do that. So that that whatever length of piece, this one, 20 minutes. So I need 20 minutes just to hear the whole thing in my head, the finished product in its entirety. Perfect performance. So when I walk onto the stage, I've already been there. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to hear. I know exactly where everything is. Um, but I can I can chat and talk to people quite happily as I'm standing at the side of the stage. That, that doesn't bother me. It's just that preparation time, that moment to reflect. Um, I like to do that. I think I think conductors and players have to be in two very different psychological spaces before they perform. The, the performer has to be like a coiled spring full of energy ready to burst. And the conductor's got to be the coolest person in the room, the most relaxed. That's a very difficult line to follow and then you're supposed to be inspirational uh, again very fortunately i've got fodens that they're they're well battle-hardened campaigners and i don't really have to give them a pep talk that they don't need that they know how to deal with themselves um so it's a um quite a nice relationship between the two of us that we bounce off each other in just the right way well, it's clearly a successful formula, Russell, and congratulations again on another outstanding performance and result with Foden's band at the 2023 British Open. But away from band contesting, you've recently been unveiled as the next music director and conductor of the Minneapolis Pops Orchestra. How are you looking forward yeah. to taking up that appointment? Yeah, that's very exciting for me. Um, I was over there in July. I did two concerts with them and met them and we rehearsed together. And as you know, it's always about chemistry, isn't it? Um, the chemistry between me and the, 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 the players was instant. And uh, and then I've got to relate to the audience, which was part of the process. Um, and we had a great time over two concerts. So they've appointed me as the musical director and I get to put together a season of 10 concerts, um, which is a, a different thing for me because I usually just do music for contests. That's what I get employed to do. So planning a concert season is um, going to be a joy and I'll get to do Mozart. I get to do Haydn, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, all the classics. This is uh, brilliant for me. And I, I get to talk to string players, which is highly unusual. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and it's uh, I'm going to have to live in Minneapolis for five weeks every year in July. Oh dear! <laughs> what an awful way to spend your time. Yeah, it all sounds very exciting indeed, and of course we wish you the very best with that. How is the rest of your schedule then shaping up over the the coming weeks and months? I guess you'll be back in Sandbach before too long, I imagine, as Foden's turns its yeah. attentions to attempting to retain its national title. Yes, I'm, I'm with them in about three weeks. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to Norway because I'm, I'm coaching a band and taking them to the CIDIS competition 
And then I fly from there to Vilnius in Lithuania because I'm now, um, uh, if you say, an adjunct professor with the Academy of Music there. We're starting the campaign for Palanga next year. I'll be taking the Lithuanian band to the challenge section. So we, we start the ball rolling um, next week with that. And then I'm back in Sandbach. And immediately after that, after the Nationals, I go back to Norway for Sidis. And then I'm spending the month of November in Switzerland. I'm coaching five different bands for the Swiss Nationals and taking one of them as well before being to Lithuania again, Holland, Norway, Christmas. I've got a New Year tour with the Princeton's Music Corps, the Danish RAF band for the month of January, the NM in Norway, the Norwegian Nationals, and then I've got the areas, the Lithuanian Championships, and then back in America for a couple of weeks, and then it's Easter, European <laughs> Championship. It just keeps going, never stops. Is it fair to say you're living your best life? I, I guess, yes. I mean, I can complain about it. It takes me away from home and... It's a busy schedule and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of balls in the air all the time. But I'm extraordinarily privileged to be able to do this and be this busy and meet so many different people and work in so many different environments. So, yeah, it keeps me fresh. That's it for this episode of Brass Bands On The Record. Thanks to Russell Gray and congratulations to Russell and Fodens on their victory at the 2023 British Open Championship. Stay tuned for more to come on Brass Bands On The Record. You can find us where you listen to all your usual podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, please do send us a message on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.